protesting is our soul's responsibility for a future. We have starvation throughout the world, perhaps 25,000 people dying daily on a planet with a 12% food surplus. Nobody should be going hungry. The only reason they are, it's a lack of political will. Just being hopeful will not work. Time is passing. The planet is being devastated. People are going hungry. Something must happen. And in order for governments to act, I remember hearing a politician say, make me do it. We have to get out in numbers together. And that was a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. We bring you evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future that works for everyone. Welcome. On today's show, we're going right to the heart of the matter. How to create a world that works for everyone. And to do so ASAP, because we just can't wait for everyone and everything to get on board. So joining us today is Yvonne Lewis, who's worked for decades to get out this crucial information. She's been on talks and expos throughout the West, the Southwest, and the Midwest, spreading this spiritual and sometimes even esoteric message, which is once hidden and is now out in the open for all to learn, examine, and share. And she's appeared on three YouTube broadcasts in Canada and also written a blog for a South Cal California uh, podcast about the dangers of complacency and the dangers of not getting involved, not getting engaged in this crucial fight to save the planet. So welcome, Yvonne. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I'm inspired and invigorated by the information we're going to talk about. I hope that this episode of the show is stimulating everyone to get up and get out there uh, to make dramatic changes for everyone. What do you think it's going to take, Yvonne, to create a world that meets the needs of everyone? Well, we are at a crossroads. We need more of us out there and peaceful, with peaceful, powerful voices. And it will take cooperation to work together in unity. That's what all of the protest groups that we'll be discussing need to actually do. And we're going to talk about how that has just come out of the information we've already had. But to address the issues that are concerning us right now, protests all over the world are increasing on issues like climate, on issues like hunger, on issues like war. And, you know, women's rights, labor rights are all in the mix on the protest level. Homelessness is a very uh, tremendous problem here in the U.S., Hundreds of thousands of people are homeless and more every day without rental assistance. In Britain, food and energy costs are spiraling. There's a deepening 
hunger crisis there. People are not eating for two or three days. They're not turning on the heat. Someone said not for three years. A third of the children are living in poverty. 25% of the people are facing financial difficulty. Pope Francis himself asked young people to become the artisans and builders of our ruined common home and to turn an economy that kills into an economy for life. All of this is quite germane and absolutely necessary. But one question I get from people when I discuss this as well, and I'm sure you've gotten is, we've been doing that for decades. Why is it taking so long? Yes, it's taking a long time, but you know, we're in a new age now. We've moved out of the Piscean energies and we've moved into the Aquarian energies. And this is not astrology, it's astronomy. Aquarian energies, which are predominated by love, by cooperation, by coming together as one human family. It's almost as though we must actually um, accommodate these Aquarian energies with our own action. So we're required in magnetically even to do so. So the highly evolved civilization that we're all expecting, the golden age, is possible and happening. The light of this new dawn will pull us into action, illuminate activism. We just need to step out and demonstrate out of love. And that's possible to do because we as individuals are souls in incarnation, not conscious bodies. So we're divine energy or divine spirit in physical life and actually affecting the matter that we occupy, raising it to higher and higher levels. Mm, So this is the, uh, the job for us at this point to use our energy to let these Aquarian energies flow through us We can create this new world because of the spiritual giants among us. Elena Blavatsky, Elena Rorich, Alice A. Bailey, Benjamin Krem are all from the ageless wisdom teaching, which foretold the presence of these great individuals. I call them spiritual ancestors Mm. for my cultural preference. And they are... um, This information has been coming long ago out of the Himalaya. Prophecies of many religions talk about an expected one, someone who's coming to help us in all aspects of life. And it turns out that that is the same individual as the Ageless Wisdom teaching tells us. It is the same person by name of Maitreya, the eldest brother of the planet, who came out of the high Himalaya where he'd been in retreat for long ages. And that level, I think that elevation was 17,500 feet. Can you imagine that that was his abode? And he and other masters of wisdom, they're called. These are individuals that have just gone ahead of us in evolution and have Mm -hmm. turned back to help us reach that level 
or in some cases stayed on this planet to help us reach that level. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, supremely uh, fortunate to have their presence in the world. But our job is to make it so the ideals that we've had since we were in Piscean times need to be actualized in the world now. Um, mm. they, the teacher himself, he refuses to be, well, he is only called the teacher. Uh, some people call him the world teacher, but he is simply, um, as he says, a simple man who comes to show us how to cooperate, how to love, how to care for each other, and uh, to see ourselves as one. He actually had an opportunity to do this um, for three weeks in Tahir Square. Mm. So we'll be talking about uh, how protest movements are enhanced by these individuals in mm. a minute. That's, yes, that's that's what I was thinking along the same lines. Um, it's fantastic for humanity that we have these great teachers in the world. And I think some people may expect them to, to do the work for us. So why is the action of people to demand their rights and these needed changes so important now? Well, as you suggested, it's taken so long for even with the presence of great spirits, great beings in our world, for us to get it, as it were, you know, for us to see that we have changes to make and to start making the changes, to stop dragging our feet. In particular, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 56 years ago, was in jail in Birmingham. He wrote a letter there, which was a, incorporated into a book he published the next year, Why We Can't Wait. Just this idea that the intention of the civil rights workers was to continue to peacefully protest to achieve, in this particular case, voting rights. But there have been in that movement, civil rights movement, sit-ins, which to me could be called Occupy, where you sit and demand service where you've been formally denied. So these, uh, these efforts by people over long periods of time in the case of the Selma to Montgomery, uh, Alabama march, actually, after the, I think it was third or fourth march, affected people in government to the extent that they did pass the Voting Rights Act of 1965. That was almost miraculous. Normally it takes, seems to take longer, but in the case of Selma, the judge there, made it clear that the law offers and accommodates the right to peaceful petition of the redress of grievances. And they, that can be exercised in groups of unlimited numbers by marching as well, going through space and, mm -hmm. and you know, upsetting particular areas of town. So all of this is now available to us. All of the, the past efforts, the Indian, we call it India, 
becoming independent from Britain, women's suffrage, women gaining the right to vote have all been inspired by these teachers from uh, retreat, as it were. But now they're working behind the scenes. We have the ability to have their direct help in the public arena. But we have to show that our intention is the same, that we wish to move into Aquarian energies and leave Piscean, as it were, in our action. And we want to support everyone and not leave anyone behind. Of people on social media I've seen and my I myself have talked about how together, you know, eight billion people are bigger than greed. We're bigger than green. Those of us who have not shared profits and left taxes unpaid and sort of lived apart from society, although promoting their own wealth through society. So that is in our favor. And you would wonder then what good is it to have so many people when we're under the aegis of powerful groups of people. However, continuous, massive, hundreds of thousand peoples, people rather, protesting all over the world makes a big difference. We just haven't tried this. We've tried it in a limited way, but it's said by these groups, uh, Benjamin Krem, the most recent, that if we can protest daily until the government responds appropriately, that will be the best, most effective way. Ah, so how does what we see in the world today, which you've pointed out, instruct us as to what to do next? And just as an aside, I'd like to say, I'm, it's gratifying to know the Occupy movement didn't begin around 2010 or 11, was that? That it goes back decades before that. So again, how does what we see in the world instruct us as what to do next? What we're seeing is an understanding that what we have is not as important as what other people don't have. So those in need, I think the uh, teacher himself, the teacher for all people said, look for me in the dark places of hunger and strife. There I am. So if these elder brothers are demonstrating as a, a revered professor, perhaps uh, a faculty that helps us in our educational endeavors, elder brothers who look back and see that, oh, it would be better if my younger brothers and sisters would move in this direction and provide that guidance and assistance. I think we're way ahead. That's the effort. And what I'd like to say too, is that if people who think of protest as something that other people do, if they would in enjoy, as I did, <laughs> the few protests I participated in, but the energy you feel, you know, in spite of men in black taking your photo, there's an energy of, of 
peace and love and tranquility and serenity that you feel in the middle of a demonstration where people are standing together and insisting on anti-war. Please don't start this war, you know, or climate or, you know, let's eliminate hunger. All of these efforts are spiritual efforts. It turns out, you know, who would have thought that the world teacher, the elder brother of the planet goes to all the big marches. He stimulates protests. He's there. Sometimes others from his group, another in, in particular, was there. And they don't aren't able to stay for the entire protest, perhaps. But they are stimulating, nourishing the protesters, spiritually even. Mm. It's a, a tremendous activity that we should consider. If we can't protest ourselves, we can support and get backing for the protesters, provide peaceful security to keep the marches peaceful. Mm -hmm. I've been to a number of of these types of marches and the the number of them seems to be expanding and increasing exponentially. So when have these highly evolved spiritual beings who are among us now, when have they been present at marches and demonstrations and protests. Do we have some examples? Well, I would think that uh, in particular for protests, um, Hyde Park, London, there was a report and an interview of a a Caribbean man and his companion who were there and they talked about how happy they were to see all the people out working to maintain peace in the world. Uh, in my particular case, at the uh, anti-war uh, protests that I attended, uh, I felt that energy. That's uh, Maitreya's love. He embodies love in his very being as the elder brother of the planet. So that is also a cornerstone of the Aquarian time. He's the new teacher for Aquarius. And Aquarius is all about love and cooperation. Mm-hmm. And I had noticed that too at these demonstrations, Yvonne, you have this deep, heavy subject that we're addressing, and yet people are lighthearted and full of joy, and you can, you certainly can feel that energy, and it's contagious. So what, I should say, uh, decisive response to Maitreya's stimulation of these crowds should be taken to heart and supported by us, encouraged by us? Where should we take that energy? Well, I think there's so much to do. I think one should be one's own agency of change. If you see something, as we say, you know, work to change something. And many wonderful people are doing just that. As you said, that's why protests are increasing, increasing all over the world for all the various reasons. But the aim of all the protests and the reason why they can join together in the hundreds of millions is that the aim is for all is freedom, is a justice, is peace. So in working together, they add strength to numbers. They add 
we add strength to our efforts by staying out there. It's a, it's really a, a, a huge magnified Occupy movement. Protesters either come and go daily or they continuously protest in massive numbers, which is allowed in the U.S. by a judicial uh, consideration that we just heard. And so we have the a wind at our back, as it were. We have the masters of wisdom, our elder brothers, encouraging us in this activity, encouraging us to make change. I think if we start these massive continuous protests, it will allow them to emerge, to come out of the working behind the scenes and start working directly with us publicly. And that was foretold by Benjamin Krem, that there would be a day of declaration in which uh, Maitreya himself, the teacher for all people of religions of persuasion or not, before the world, that he would speak, he would identify himself. He has been actually speaking incognito for many years. But if our action shows that his priorities of food, you know, clothing, housing, education, true education in the values of life and love, how to become a human being and leave the animal instincts behind. All of that is available, you know, through his, his, uh, his teaching. If we show that this is what we want, we want everyone to have a good life. They, every child born in the world deserves the best. And that should be provided by governments. Our uh, greed or green brothers and sisters can join us and see what um, blessings they can bestow, not only on others, but on themselves. You make me, there's something you've been making me think about since we began, and I meant to say this earlier, is that uh, too many of us, even today, are, to put it euphemistically, washing the dishes while the house is burning down. (laughs) So that it's going to take a lot more activism, as you have pointed out in, in a myriad of ways, to make the needed changes that this is extremely urgent. And as you've also pointed out, luckily it's the dawning of a new age and there's tremendous spiritual energies that pouring into the world and inspiring millions. And we've talked about how that is manifested in the streets, but I'm, I'm interested too in how you came to this information. How did you come to know of the emergence of Maitreya? Well, it was just a, a matter of good fortune. I was uh, online and I saw a radiant being in the middle of a large group of people in Africa. And I said, what is this? He was a man in white. He was just a magnetic, as it were. And I needed to find out more about it. I did so. I uh, became familiar with the writings of Benjamin Krem. I went to lectures by 
uh, people in town. And I found out that these are our elder brothers, what their, um, what their goal is in, in being available to help us and to keep us from self-destructing is a, a real big part of it. Um, Maitreya said recently, um, it would be a little while ago before um, Benjamin Krem passed on, but through Benjamin Krem, that we would come in a kind of very difficult way to the very brink of the precipice, but we would not go over that there would be dramatic changes in the world and everything would shift as it were, these are just my words, as if on a dime. So we can expect these changes, but we have to be a part of them. Benjamin Krenk said people have to be a force of action to these tremendous events and not just hopeful onlookers. So we leave hopeful on looking behind and we get involved and we see that the love that is inherent in human life comes to the fore in any of the other unnecessary and, and useless behaviors go to the background. We all join in this. When we do it for ourselves, we, as a group, we do it for even larger numbers than that group. We um, maintain peace, as we say, you know, we, we promote freedom and we promote justice. Mm-hmm. Above all, just sharing. It's through the principle of sharing, uh, this will happen. And sharing means that governments in the world will share their goods if they're missing something they will appeal to another government who has it, you know, through a central agency uh, that, that manages this. And then they, that m- missing part will be provided so that through sharing the resources of the world by governments, everyone will have what they need. Um, and this has just been stalled, you know. We have just been postponing this feeling that, oh, no, I can't share anything with anyone, but it's not personal sharing. What we're talking about is a huge transformation that fits the energies that we're now uh, under the under sway of uh, in the Aquarian age. And you made me think, too, that there are a lot of people out there also who are afraid of sharing because they think it's socialism or communism, which they've which um, particularly in the West, many people have been mentally conditioned to reject. But what you're saying is this is not a scene out of Dr. Shivago, where the doctor comes home and finds 30 people, 30 strangers living in his house. You're talking about the redistribution of excess wealth and goods that each country takes into account how much it has of everything it needs. And if if there's an excess, like say country only needs 15,000 toasters and they've got 30,000, well, then there's another country that needs that and it could, and it could be shared and distributed that way. And this way, everyone can see that this is something that works for everyone. We're not asking you to let people dip into your bank account or take over your home. This is something that's happening on a national level. 
And it's something that, in fact, millions of people have supported all along. If you think of something like, for instance, the Marshall Plan after World War II. And that was really a divinely inspired act by the United States. And we helped how many countries, a dozen or more, get back on their feet. So coming back to today, how can we make life more fair, just, and harmless and joyful for everyone using these principles that you've outlined and that the masters exemplify? Yes, what came to mind, which I'd like to share with you, is that Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his last year or so started talking about poverty and and in order to eliminate poverty for everyone, that reparations were needed. Reparations meaning that for many long ages, we've been in the situation of rich and poor. You know, all the opposites have dominated, the differences have dominated our evaluation of each other. So what we're talking about here are reparations for everyone who needs them. If you need rent, um, you're provided with that, you're assisted with that. So we have all the kinds of things that are ideal for people and would relieve them of the fear of you know not being able to survive or you know being able to support their children. So all of these things are valuable, but rejected politically. So we have to come together, as uh, I've heard said, that politics has to be spiritualized. People have to know what the reality is and to leave, you know, the self-interest and greed that we thought was the most important thing and change in the sense that all of the people, because we're all one, you know, there's no difference between us under the skin, in the blood. It's all humanity. We're one beautiful soul as one humanity, and we need to work together and, and provide for anyone who needs it anywhere in the world. And that brings to mind some of the comments that Benjamin Krem, who you mentioned, had touched upon. That, for instance, we have starvation throughout the world, perhaps 25,000 people dying daily on a planet with a 12% food surplus. Nobody should be going hungry. The only reason they are, it's a lack of political will. And here in the States, the government has stockpiled tons of food and other supplies in the event of a nuclear war. And this food is stacked stories high and being eaten by rodents, when in fact it could transform the lives of millions of people if it was distributed to where it needed to go. And I, I'm recalling also that you mentioned Dr. King and how in the 60s, he 
connected, I think he said, the three evils of militarism, racism, and poverty, or also um, hunger. And it was the, when he did that that he became a true threat to the status quo. Even some people in his own movement um, were upset because, for instance, liberals were withdrawing their financial support for the movement. And as Dr. King had said himself, these type of white liberals were a thorn in his side. And when he finally got to the bottom line of what's causing all these problems, turns out that many of these so-called liberals were making their living off of that or somehow found it a threat that we couldn't give it up. And it's no coincidence that not long after that, he was assassinated. But today, you're talking about people power in great numbers. There's no one leader at the forefront. It's as if we're, so-and-so is the leader, temporarily, but we all are, and we're taking turns. And in that way, we're able to transform the world. And if one leader disappears, the movement isn't stopped. And exactly. yeah, so I'm wondering if you could expound upon it even more, uh, what we can do, just ordinary people like you and I, to make these needed changes. And what you'd suggest that we tell our neighbors, coworkers, associates, peers, and friends also to do, to make these incredible changes that you've outlined. I am very compassionate for people, um, many people that I know who can't understand what the, this change that's needed on such a worldwide level. They don't see it. The media doesn't cover the protests. So they, they're working on themselves. They have been for 40 years. If I can just become a better person, that's enough. If I can become more divine, that's enough. But in this time of Aquarius, it's a time of gregariousness where we all come together again as one human family, then I would just suggest that, that we be very kind uh, and not disrupt people. Let them come to their understanding on their own. It's much better that way. We have a choice. Uh, we can choose differently. And uh, we have that free will. So, you know, it's taken more than 40 years, 56 years, 100 years, but we're baby stepping our way there. I would just suggest because these protests are foretold by spiritual teachers that they can solve all the crises or we ourselves can solve all the crises that we see in front of us with people power that we simply try it, you know, as an exercise in, oh, let's see if this will work. You know, government sharing. Well, let's see. We've never tried that. Let's see if that will work. And be willing to support others who are ready to go. That's, I think, the most important thing. We don't have a lot of time. I remember talking with a group of interested people 
you know, oh, well, it might take 50 years before these teachers can come out publicly, <laughs> the head of the group especially, and guide and assist us directly and make our progress that much quicker. But I'm thinking that if, you know, as I read this beautiful uh, message in Benjamin Krem's book, Unity and Diversity, but it's his last volume that I recall. He says, it is important to maintain a growing number of marches, not now and again, but continually. And though, and these sustained demonstrations will have a gradual impact on government thinking. People power will transform the world. It is the people everywhere raising their voices who will change and are changing the world. Well, my advice is to do what you can and just be an example for others and to support people who decide to do the massive continual protests and see that this is a spiritual endeavor. This is a way of changing the world for better, uh, for the better, and to support and encourage and help the people who are willing to do that. And that is really uh, my sense of the importance of coming to speak about this information. The people aren't aware of what could be done if they had the courage, if they had the, the wherewithal to help others do it, to work with others' groups. I know that working with other groups, uh, spiritual groups, protest groups, has started uh, somewhere in, in uh, Europe. And there was an interesting information from the, I think it's a, a French uh, man or an Italian Franco man who was engaged in that work. And his report was so enlivening. So it can be very helpful. And we must take one step at a time, but move very quickly to make this happen. And I was taking notes while you were speaking because I, I knew I wouldn't remember all the questions I had. But you brought to mind a quote from Maitreya. And I'm not sure the no <clears throat> which message of his this was from or which Ben's books, but it definitely was in there somewhere. He said to the effect when it comes to getting involved in activism, many people work better in the shade. It has always been so. And it seems when I mention that quote to people, they get it immediately. You think they might want to ask, well, what do you mean by that? But they can intuitively recognize it means working behind the scenes. And also, there are many people, you've encountered them, and I have too, and work with some of them, people who have probably on the inner planes been stimulated by Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom and have no conscious awareness of it and wouldn't be interested in the subject if you brought it up, ironically, and, and wouldn't believe it. And none of that matters because they're doing the work. Also, something else you brought to mind um, that I wrote in my notes here was that people are being stimulated by these great energies coming from these masters of wisdom or elder brothers of humanity or 
Lords of Compassion, they have many names. And it is stimulating the already existing will within them. In other words, the hierarchy knows that we are ready. They're viewing us as light, as light energy, and they can tell by the quality of that light. They're not interested in our personal lives, in case anybody gets paranoid about that, that, that would bore them to extinction. But they can see where we are at our stage in development, and they can tell when we're ready to cross that threshold. And they give us that little bit of a push that doesn't interfere with our free will, that gets us to act, as you have described so eloquently, Yvonne. Uh, I have not expected anyone to believe this information, to believe that there are these teachers in the world. That, as you've said, doesn't matter. It's what you believe about your life and the life of others who you interact with. To see that things can be so much better, a golden age can come, but it takes our action. And so I honor whatever one's belief is, whatever one's religion, keep at it. You know, I just provided an, a, a we together information about the ageless wisdom teachings because we happen to know that. But many people have other very interesting uh, bits of information that we would like to know about. So it's people coming together and sharing but acting. It's not just in our hearts and minds anymore. Just being hopeful will not work. Time is passing. The planet is being devastated. People are going hungry. Something must happen. And in order for governments to act, I remember hearing a politician say, make me do it. We have to get out in numbers together, not one by one, you know, sort of a, in a, a selfish way, but simply sur not surrendering, but I mean, acknowledging that you're a part of a greater whole and that whole matters. Mm -hmm. That whole is the energy, intelligence, and happiness of people, which involves you. So from whatever angle you're coming, please just take what we've said or who we've said where we understand is uh, in stimulating it under advisement, mm -hmm. you know, no, no need to believe it, but we're asking for you to do what you know is the right thing for you to do and to get engaged with others in a big group. So this is the future uh, in the age of Aquarius. Love is the future. Cooperation is the future for all of us uh, living here together. Yvonne, you reminded me of some quotes from Benjamin Krem, the author, esotericist, and artist, and Maitreya, the world teacher. Maitreya had said, nothing happens by itself. Man must act and implement his will. And taking us back to some comments I made about the work you were doing at the beginning of the show, there was a quote from... Ben, I'm paraphrasing him, where he said that, you know, it's, it's okay to be skeptical, but if this has the ring of truth to you, you don't necessarily need out-and-out out proof at this time, but if this has the ring of truth to you, then act upon it. Because he said, 
Complacency is something that stands in the way of positive action. It's been said that complacency is the root of all evil. All it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. So Mr. Kremitz said that complacency, like cynicism, it's a convenience, an excuse for inaction. And those two that you had been, battle, you've been battling and educating people about and raising their awareness about, complacency and cynicism were really just character defects. And Mr. Kremitz said, get rid of them. And it sounds as if you're giving us a blueprint to do just that. Yes, and that's because complacency's root cause is the sin of separation, feeling that we're all separate, comes out of the old age of Piscean energies. But now that we're in Aquarius, we can look ahead and see that we're all human beings together, different cultures, like different colored flowers in a garden, but one beautiful garden. Um, I, I was so impressed by the idea that as we work, we, we, we're generating light in the world. We're illuminating um, life for people. We're providing them the ability not just to survive, but to advance their human, uh, in their human evolution. There is so much more than we're living publicly now. And that's the purpose, I think, of, of uh, our divine existence on the planet today, to move forward together. It's like we're on rungs of the ladder of human evolution. And that's the purpose, not to stay where you are and hoard what you have, but to share, to create justice, to create peace. And it's interesting what you said about use, people using their innate energy and potential. I've got a quote on a refrigerator magnet over there from <clears throat> Thomas Edison saying that if we knew what we were truly capable of, we'd be astounded. And I know that the, the Master of Wisdom, whom Benjamin Krem had developed a moment-by-moment -moment telepathic rapport with, had said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing again, that if mankind saw reality as it truly is, he would be flabbergasted, astounded, and terrified all at the same time. And something else you mentioned that perhaps some of our viewers and listeners have not heard of before is the sin of separation. When we failed to look into our brethren's face and see ourselves, to be unable to see them, see ourselves in their eyes. And my understanding is that from the spiritual hierarchy, that this is the only real sin, is the sin of separation. And it's what leads to separativeness, which you mentioned, and war, which you also went over, and greed, which you've already touched upon. All the evils of today come from this sin of separation and racism as well. Because if people could see their soul, 
their essence, themselves in their brethren of color. Racism and all that goes with it would vanish from the planet practically overnight. Just as you said, the idea that we're different because of a genetic difference. <laughs> and there's no way to unify just because of that difference is um, it's just a, a appalling. It's created a nightmare in the world. And that's why when I saw this picture of a radiant being, I just couldn't imagine. He was in Africa because I am a descendant of formerly captive um, African people in the United States. And to see that um, 6,000 people were at that meeting uh, led by a great healer uh, in Nairobi, Kenya at the time, 19, uh, I'm sorry, that was 1988. And um, from what I understand uh, from another associate, it seems that the people in Africa will be more open to Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom. And that's why I saw that picture, because he chose Africa as the first, his first public appearance in the world in a physical body. Now, I want to say that too. The people we're talking about, the Masters of Wisdom and the World Teacher Maitreya, are in physical bodies. They're human beings. And they um, are just like us in that regard. But in particular, Maitreya as the elder brother is in a self-created body. He uh, came out of the high Himalaya, took a flight and uh, landed in London where he, his base is to this day, but he's been long ages in the world, going through what we've gone through and reaching the high level where he can turn back and say, brother, I know, I know the devastation you're experiencing. Let's go forward together. Mm -hmm. And he's Good. willing and able to be that uh, scion uh, for people to see but he cannot declare himself until we show we've got it. We want it. We want the priorities that uh, are enshrined in the, the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, it, it happens not coincidentally, I'm sure, to be exactly the same priorities that Maitreya is bringing to our attention. In addition, I think Maitreya offers freedom from guilt, you know, and uh, other freedom from fear. So these will be, these are huge, the way we will live in the future. Um, I wanted to say that he, Maitreya has also said, there will be in the future cities of beauty, glory, glowing creations of love. So if we can join Maitreya and the masters of wisdom at big marches, if we can feel the love spreading around the world, if we can establish that light in the world, if we can create for all people peace and joy, what, what a, uh, a great 
accomplishment we have we will have made in this lifetime. We have to do it together, not alone, but together with others. And I would just encourage you to consider this information as off-center as it may seem. It's it is the heart of our life on earth that we live as the loving in brotherhood, as it were, as the loving human beings that we truly are. So thank you, Yvonne, for sharing this precious, enlightening, and educational message with our viewers. And we hope to have you back again on Planetary Makeover. Thank you for this time together. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books in DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love, entitled, What in the World is Happening? Please view episodes of What in the World is Happening on demand at youtube.com forward slash at message of hope weekly. It will be live streaming mostly on the second Saturday of every month at the Share International Canada Facebook page.